Ephesians 5, verse number 17. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Again, it says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray, and we'll begin the message. Lord, thank you once again for the opportunity to be in your house. May we never take it for granted. We thank you for um, all these folks all around our area that have uh, gathered here tonight to worship you and to hear from your word. We ask that you would reward them for their effort, reward them for their faithfulness. May we come away from this meeting uh, that we and, and be able to say that we have heard from you. Remove distractions from our mind. Help us to focus totally what you'd have uh, for us at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're going to talk about the three, three wills of God. Three wills of God, different wills of God. Now, Pastor, I believe he taught something about, I think he taught maybe seven wills of God in, maybe it was prayer meeting or Sunday school months and months ago. This is a little bit different, maybe a little bit more broad, uh, but I think it'll help you nonetheless. Do you, here's a question for you, do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Now, working with teenagers for my first four and a half years, I still work in the school, of course, and have to deal with young people on a regular basis. Thomas, I feel like I work with him more now than I did back then, and I don't know if that's because they all end up in my office, but I definitely deal with quite a few of them still. And working with young people, it's easy to figure out and to understand that they want to know what lies ahead in their life. They want to know what is going to come next? They are in a, in a situation, in a circumstance where the future is uncertain. They don't know what's out there. They have plans. They have dreams. They have aspirations. Some of them may be a little unrealistic, but nonetheless, they still have uh, a life that they want to live, and they're figuring out questions. They're, they're, they're wondering, what am I going to do after I graduate? Am I going to go off to college, or am I going to start working? Hopefully, they're not going to stay living in their parents' house for too long. We hope that. Amen. 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 All you parents out there, grandparents, amen. But they want to know what, what's going to take place. They want to know what career path that they're going to be on. They want to know, here's a big one, who are they going to marry? They want to know who they are going to be going to marry. Some of them, they have their eye on a young lady or a young man, and they say, this is the one, and then that person dumps them. That's what happens. And then, okay, they're off to the next one. I'll tell you what, my life got a lot easier when I mar married Heather Grant. It got a lot easier. Thomas, I don't mean to rub it in, but I kind of do. Life is going to be so much easier for you when you find out who is the one and you find out what God's will is for your life. Each of us are trying to find out what God's will is. I encourage people who talk to, to young folks I encourage them to not ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? Instead, ask the question, what does God want you to do? That's a good question to ask young people, grandparents, parents out there. Don't insert just to the kids, what do you want to do? Because it really is not that important what I want to do. It's what God wants me to do. And so think about it that way. But I want to know what the will of God is for my life. I don't have it 100% figured out yet. I don't know what my life holds 10, 15, 20 years from now, or even if I'll even be around. If any of us will be around, I'm not really sure, but I want to know. I want to know. You may be here and you think, well, I'm retired. 
I've already, you know, had, a, I'm, I'm already married. I've already been to college or already had a job for so many years and I've got my retirement and my pension and I'm just living out my days. God still has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter if you're the oldest person in this room. God still has a plan for your life. I'm thankful that a man like Bill Secora didn't just come and sit in the back until he died. I'm glad that he understood what the will of God was for his life, and he was active about doing something about it. The will of God is not just for young people, although that, those folks generally get the attention. It's for each and every one of us, and it's vitally important that we understand that. I think about Caleb, Caleb in the Bible, and he was a hero of the faith. He had been with the children of Israel when they left Egypt, and of course, he, him and Joshua were the two spies, the two good spies who went into the land of Canaan and came back and had a good report and says, we can, we can conquer this land. And of course, the uh, nation was uh, swayed by the 10 spies that were, gave an evil report. And for 40 years, Caleb got to live off those bad choices from those other people, and he wandered around the wilderness. But there came a day when they entered into the promised land. There came a day, he was 85 years old. He was not a, he was not a young man at that time. But he said, I was faithful to God all the way back then. I believe God, and I want God to give me this mountain. At 85 years old. And he got the area of Hebron, which is just a little southwest to the sea, um, to the Dead Sea, I believe. And even at that age in his life, he wasn't just going to sit back and do nothing. And so it's important that we understand God has a will for you. If he was done with you, you wouldn't be here right now. He would have taken you home by now. And so he has a will for your life. He has a will for my life. Most people want to know the will of God, but few people want to do it. Amen. Amen. Most people want to know what it is, but they don't want to do it. They want to say, God, please tell me what you want me to do just for kicks. What do you really want me to do? But knowing the will of God and doing the will of God are two totally separate things. To totally separate. How about you? Do you really? And I asked you, I asked you if you want to know the will of God. The question I'm asking now is, do you want to do the will of God? Do you want to do the will of God? What I noticed is when I asked the first question, everyone, do you want to know what the will of God is? Yes! Woo! Everyone, yes, yes, yes! And I just asked that question, do you really want to do the will of God? It's a lot quieter because we've come to find that people really don't want to do the will of God. We see by the choices in their life that that's the case. Once you know what the will of God is, there is a responsibility that's given to us. So since you do want to know, let's, let's do a test. See if we really do want to know. If God called you to be a bus worker, would you do it? Would you want to do it? Would you want to do his will? There's already some people in their minds that say, no, I, I wouldn't want to do it. Some of you that are in it still say, no, I don't want to do it, but you're doing it every week. Thank God that you're doing it, even though you might not want to. I appreciate that. We've had a shortage in the nursery of nursery workers. Miss Kathy, amen? 
hey, she's here when I'm preaching. Remember that? Remember that? She's here. That was a little inside joke for those of you that were here a few weeks ago. If God asked you to be a Sunday school teacher, would you do it? If God wanted you to be a missionary, I'm talking about leave your family. I'm talking about leave the, leave the uh, culture that you love. Cross geographical boundaries to get the gospel to another area of the world and see people saved. Would you do it? Would you do it if that was God's will for you? Some of you in here, God may even call you to be a pastor. We say, I've never been to Bible college. Maybe I'm 30, maybe I'm 40, maybe I'm 50 years old. God doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care about that. He just wants you to do his will, what he, what he would have you to do. Do you have any limits with God? I found limits that I've had in my life. Most people have limits. They say, God, I'll do anything for you but one thing. The most prayed prayer is, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything but not Africa. I just don't want to go there of all places. There was a story I heard, and I don't know if preachers make up these stories. Anybody ever raise your hand if you thought that preachers just made up stories? They just made up stories for the effect. Am I right? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't do it, but other, I, I think there are preachers who, who do that. And when I heard this story as a young man, you know, sitting in a chapel service, I think it was, I thought, that, that's, that must be made up. He told a story about a family who was called to the mission field, and it was, you know, some, you know, Africa or something. They were going to the Congo, I don't know, something like that. And the woman, the wife, she was terrified of snakes, absolutely terrified of snakes. And so because she didn't want to go, I mean, of course, men, we know that if, you know, your wife doesn't go with you, I mean, you're kind of shot. You can't just go really without her. I mean, it would kind of maybe ruin your ministry a little bit and your reputation a little bit. So, of course, they stayed back. And as the story goes, the kids, two of her kids were playing underneath their little mobile home. And lo and behold, a poisonous snake bit one of the kids and one of the kids died. The safest place that you and I can be are in the will of God. Now, I don't know if that is a real story or not, but it sounds pretty good. I mean, it may, makes me want to do the will of God. But it shows that definitely the safest place that you and I can be is in the will of God. There is a responsibility. Once we know what the will of God is, we have to do the will of God. So I hope you've made your decision about both those questions. And now that you've made your decision, I want us to think about three wills of God, three major wills of God, and how they apply to your life and my life. The first one is the sovereign will of God. This is very, very, very big picture stuff. Sovereignty is the supreme power or authority, that God is all-powerful, that he has all authority. And when a person goes and they read the Bible they understand that the God of the Bible is supreme over all. Now, somebody who doesn't believe the Bible maybe comes up with another assumption, but if somebody reads the Bible literally for what it says, they can come to no other conclusion except God is in control. He is a supreme power and authority. The first few words in the Bible, they just declare straight up and down, in the beginning, God. 
It's just a statement. It doesn't argue the fact that God exists. It doesn't argue that he's the one in authority. It just states it for what it is and what it truly is. Here's some verses about God's uh, sovereignty. Daniel 4.35, this is one of the verses that the men will uh, quote, and it's on their list of verses. It says, and all, Daniel writes this, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Job did that, and look how God reprimanded him for that. We'll see that in a little bit. Second Chronicles 26 says, And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art, thou, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? God is all powerful. Nothing happens in this life without God allowing it. That's important to me when it comes to my life. That's important to me when I'm looking out at the world and seeing the mess that the world is in. And knowing that God is in control, what does that bring in my life? That brings peace. That means that takes it all off of Chris, and I don't have to struggle and try and make sure the world is just a perfect, better place. God, God is in control of all of that 100%. What is God sovereign over? Of course, he was sovereign over creation. Colossians 1, I believe I quoted this verse last week uh, during the first time, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones. That means thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And my favorite part is, by him all things consist. That means he is the one that is holding this whole thing together. Don't you worry about it. Lay your head on your pillow, at ten, lay your head on your pillow tonight. Go to sleep, sleep good, forget the sleeping pills, know that God's in control over your life and the world, and he is holding it all together. And he has a plan for your, your life. I think about when the creation of the world, I think about in Job, when it says, and he stretched out, uh, and he stretched out the north over the empty space, and he hangeth the earth upon nothing. I mean, this is how powerful our God is. He hangeth the earth by the way, before scientists ever discovered that we're out here floating in space, held by gravity towards the sun, floating on nothing, the Bible said it was true. I get encouragement out of the accuracy of the Word of God. This isn't just a little storybook for kids, little picture book. This is the real thing. Scientific facts can be found in here long before people ever discovered it. We could go on and on about that forever, but we're not going to. In God's sovereignty, he created the universe. It's a slap in his face whenever this evolution is being taught in our school system, in our homes, in reading materials, got it on the phones. It's horrible, horrible. It didn't happen by chance. It happened by intelligent design, by God Almighty. And if God created it, he has a plan for it. He didn't just wind this world up and he's not just letting it loose. Some people have that view of God that he just doesn't care about what goes on in this world whatsoever. He cares. He's actively involved in it. He cares about the affairs of men. It says in Daniel 4, 17, this matter is by decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones and to the intent that the living may know the most high ruleth in the kingdom of, not, not men, ruleth in the kingdom, I mean of, of heaven. He's saying ruleth in the kingdom of men. And giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth 
up over it the basest of men. He knows what's going on in Bonita Springs this morning. He knows what's going on in the state of Florida today. He knows what's going on in the country of the United States of America today. He knows the mess that this is in. He understands it, and he knows it, and he's involved in it. And nobody that is in that position, in those positions of authority, is there by mistake whatsoever. God knows exactly what's going on at this moment. He's not sitting here fighting his nails, wondering if gas prices are going to go up more tomorrow. I mean, do you ever sit back and think about it? I worry about things like that, but God's not sitting there worried about it, so why am I worried about it? He's not worried if food prices are going to go up. Eggs went up a dollar a dozen. Okay. God's got all that in control. He knows about it. He knows that there's ships stuck out at sea, cargo ships, and we're not getting our goods here. Okay. He knows about it. He's not worried about it. He's got that all in control. He wasn't, sur he wasn't surprised about the, the situations that come into our lives. Vito and Callie, he wasn't surprised when you guys went into that doctor's appointment when Callie was pregnant and they said that your baby has all sorts of troubles, may not even make it, going to have to, when, it, when it's born, uh, the, the baby boy, he's going to have to have all sorts of surgeries. He wasn't surprised about that. And he wasn't surprised when our church got together and prayed and asked God to heal that baby and they go in for their next appointment and the baby was totally fine. God wasn't surprised about any of that. Come on, come on. Nick, God wasn't surprised about anything you got going on. It may, be, it may level all of us, but it doesn't level God. He knows. He knows exactly what's going on. There may be some big thing that happens in your life tomorrow that's going to knock you off your feet, but God knows that it was going to happen. So sleep in peace tonight. Have peace in your life that God is sovereign over all. And not only is he sovereign over that, he's sovereign over even the basis of things, salvation, salvation. We see in Genesis 3.15, shortly after creation, that he says, And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy, um, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Meaning that he was going to send a Savior to the world. And we can see how God had a sovereign plan from the beginning to offer salvation for you and me. Jim, not for you. Bill Wolf for you. Chris Barrows for me, Mike Tomorrow for you. He had a plan from the beginning, and I'm so thankful that God is in control tonight. So as we know that God's in control, let's move on to our next point, is we, we've seen the sovereign will of God, but let's move on to the standard, the standard will of God. What in the world is that? What in the world is the standard will of God? Think about this. If you could ask anything of God, what would it be? If you could ask God anything, what would it be? Have you ever thought about that question before? Honestly, before you know, preparing this, I hadn't really thought about it. There's a lot of interesting facts that I would like to know. How did this happen in history and this and that? But I've never really thought about it. Paul the Apostle, he found himself in a unique position. This was when his name was Saul. He was traveling on the road to Damascus. And while he was on the road to Damascus, of course, a bright light shone and it blinded him. He couldn't see. He fell off his horse, laying there in the dirt. 
And for a few moments, he had the attention of God Almighty. And he asked God two questions. Two questions is what he asked. This is found in Acts chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. Paul, he says, Who art thou, Lord? If you're going to ask any question, that's a good question to ask. Who art thou, Lord? Who are you? He knew that this was a supreme authority. He knew that God was talking to him. And the response in the response was, it is Jesus whom thou persecutest. Hey, if you don't know anything else in life, know who Jesus is. If you don't figure anything else out, if you don't get a college degree, if you don't have any education, if you don't become specialized in any, anything and any trade in life, get specialized in who Jesus is. And we can see in Paul's life that he was on that never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ for the rest of his life. So his first question was great. Who art thou? Jesus. And it was Jesus. His second question, in the next verse, Paul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What another great question. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Years later, Paul the Apostle, uh, he writes to the church at Rome. He says in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, a very popular verse, he says, I beseech you, that means I, I beg you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He got it. He understood it. This is, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Paul had experienced this himself. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. I like this part. It's your reasonable service. Meaning, it's, it's the least you can do for all Jesus has done for us. So we take our small, our insignificant lives. Have you, have you really figured out yet that our lives are pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of things? They are. Let's not be real proud about it. Let's be humble. They're pretty insignificant. Thankfully, God loves us. But we take our small, seemingly insignificant lives and we place them in the hands of God Almighty and we yield to his will and he can do something amazing with our lives. And I'm not just, I'm not talking health and wealth stuff. I'm not talking about give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be just great and you never have problems. No. As Pastor preached last week, that is not the case. But it is our reasonable service to do. So what is the standard will? Most liberal Christians, most liberal Christians cringe at the thought of God having a standard will for your life. They hate that. They would not want to be sitting in here today, in, the, in this moment right now. God has a standard will for your life. What I mean is he has certain things that he wants you to do. Now, the mature Christians in here, we understand that. We know that. It's no problem because we've presented our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. But God has a standard will for our life. And, of course, that standard will is in the re revelation of God to man. That's in the Bible, the Word of God. There are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. Adultery is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Lying is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. That doesn't get talked about much today. It's wrong. Gossip is wrong. We go on and on and on and on. But there are certain things that are right, certain things that are wrong. There are certain things that God wants 
for your life. Hey, he wants you to be saved. It's God's will that you be saved. He wants you to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has, in his sovereignty, he has given us free will. This is where the Calvinists get all twisted up. In his sovereignty, he has given us free will to make choices. And he will let people choose to go to hell. They're not destined to go there without any choice. God's not some evil person who's sending people to hell who had no choice in it whatsoever. We all have a choice. We have free will. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So first off, he wants you to be saved. Hey, he wants you to be, how about this, baptized. I, I just love it when people who get saved go ahead and they get baptized. It's just a beautiful thing. Why? Because they're following God's standard will. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's God's will that you're baptized. It's God's will that you live by a standard of Christian conduct, that there are things in your life that you do that are right. You may look at the Word of God and you may think, well, I know God wants me to obey everything that's in this book. How am I going to do it? How in the world am I going to go through I mean, it's going to take me, some of a new Christian may say, it may take me two, three years to be able to read through this whole thing. How am I going to obey it? The Ten Commandments are a great place to start. The Ten Commandments are a wonderful place to start in the standard will of God. Take those, apply them to your life, use them. The Pharisees, somebody asked Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. And he says, the second is like unto it. He Offered him a, a second one, too. Love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, on this hang all the law and the prophets. That means that you can take this Bible, and you're going to have no problem doing any, anything that's in the law. Have no problem if you love God with all your being, and if you love others the way you love yourself. You'll have no problem obeying. And all the rest of those things hang on the law and the prophets. There was about 613, roughly, commandments that the Israelites had to follow. That's a lot. But he says, don't even worry about all those. If you do those two, you'll figure out all the rest. Hey, God has a standard will. Start with those two things right there. Not only does he have a standard will, but lastly, he has a specific will. He has a specific will for your life. We can't help but think of the verse, Matthew 10, 29, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. For some of us, it's a little easier than others. Amen? But I take comfort knowing that God cares about me. If he cares about the, a little sparrow, a little bird, he cares about if that thing falls to the ground, you know he cares about you. Nobody in this life may care about you, but God cares about you. And not only does he just care about you and have a love for you, but he has a specific will for your life. Every one of us are different. None of us walk the exact same path. And to God, we are all unique uh, individuals, but he has a special will. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not just a number in a crowd. You're special to God. That's big. That is big. God's sovereign will was that Chris Barrows was born. God's standard will was that Chris Barrows was saved and he was baptized and started in Christian service. 
in God's specific will, here's an example, is that I marry Heather Grant. That was particular to me. Each of us, amen, amen, it was good. Each of us have a specific will for our life. Not only just marrying her, going to college at Crown College, Knoxville, Tennessee, moving down to Southwest Florida, didn't know how you guys were going to be. You didn't really know how I was going to be. But it was God's specific will that led me here. And it's God's specific will that led you here to this moment. God's specific will, now please get this. If you don't get anything else, this is the one thing to get. God's specific will is given to people who are doing the standard will. Let me say that again. God's specific will is given to people who are doing his standard will. If you're out there and you don't even care to do the the things that God wants you to do, the, the bare minimum, why would he show you what his special will is for your life? Why would he even waste his time? Kids often want you know, they, they have one animal they never take care of. Don't let, the, don't let the one dog out. And then they see a stray puppy and say, Mom, let's get it. No, you're not getting the puppy. You don't take care of the one we got. That's what Christians do. They're not even living their life the way they should and expect God, that God owes them to, to tell them exactly what he wants to do and have a real unique, special thing for him. Romans 1 shows that we can disregard truth and God can turn away from us. The people, they knew the truth. They knew who God was, but they disregarded it. And they chose to go after their own lust instead. And God said, okay. You turn them over to a reprobate mind. And they were delivered over into that that state. And God went no further with them. That's a scary thought. I don't want want God to say of Chris Barrows, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I want to do his standard will so I can know the specific. God calls us to all different things. He doesn't give us, uh, he doesn't, give directions, or he doesn't just give, uh, I would say, maybe like a roadmap. He doesn't give us a roadmap where we see the start and we see the finish. It's a step-by-step process. It's like a GPS. I remember when some of you still use GPSs like this. I don't. I look at the start, and I look at the finish, and I look where it goes, and I say, okay, and I go. But some, some people, they have the GPS up there, and they crank that volume all the way up. Am I right? Yes, you crank the volume on, and that lady's like yelling at you, turn left, turn right, screaming at you. And the Christian life is pretty similar to that. We don't know exactly how it's all going to work out. We know that the end goal is being like Christ and, of course, being with him for all eternity. But we don't know how every little turn is going to be. We're just sitting there waiting for God to say, turn left, and we're turning, turn right. And we want to make sure that we stay on the path he has. When we start making our own decisions, we got off his path and we get on ours. And we can make a real mess of what God, of of what our life uh, turns out to be. God is going to call us to different things. He's going to put burdens on our heart. There's a difference between a call and a burden. A big difference. You can read about it in my news article. A little plug there. Coming at you maybe next week. Something like that. Hopefully you get those. Uh, I won't get into it for time's sake, but definitely there's a difference between a call and a burden. In short, I'll give it to you real short. Okay. The call was a difference between a call and a burden. A burden is God, God or the Holy Spirit places, you know, something on your heart that is uh, that that kind of weighs you down. Say, I need to do something about this. It's 
The same when a missionary comes and presents slides of a poor place somewhere that people need the gospel, and you say, man, my heart just hurts for those people, and you got a burden, and so you get out your checkbook, and you write something, and you put it in the plate, or say, I'm going to go take a mission trip over there someday, or I'm going to go, and maybe, maybe I think God might want me to go over there, and two weeks later, you forget all about it. That was a burden. That was a temporary burden that God gave you. A call is something that is inescapable. You say, how do you know that God's called you to do something? You can't escape it. Tom Gillespie, he's called into the bus ministry. He can't escape it. If he could, he would have. Nick Carbon, same thing. You're called into the bus ministry. Doug Smith, you're called into the bus ministry. Amen. That's the only reason they've been able to do it so long is because it's a call. I'm sure they've been like Jonah, trying to run. Didn't want to do it. But you know what? They stuck with it because God would not let them escape. Why did Chris Barrows become a preacher? Because I couldn't escape him. He was inescapable. It wasn't just a temporary burden. He was inescapable. So God is going to call you to different things, and it's going to be specific to you, and you're going to know because you're going to have that same type of experience. How do you find the will of God? You yield to the Holy Spirit. Present your bodies. I love this quote, and it says, The will of God is exactly what we would choose for our lives if we had sense enough to choose it. So true. The will of God is exactly what we would choose for our lives if we had sense enough to choose it. I love the quote that Pastor Bill did a while back, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I had plans and I had dreams for my life, but God had bigger plans and bigger dreams, and his dreams turned out to be better than mine. (laughs) Man, that's just so good, and it's just so true. And when you find the specific will of God, you are going to be so happy. People think, well, if I do the will of God, I'm going to be miserable You know, those missionaries, they have no fun. Those bus workers, they have no fun. Those Sunday school teachers, they have no fun. The Awana workers, they don't even get coffee and donuts on Wednesday night because they're out there with the kids. They have no fun. You're going to love it. You are going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be the best thing, and you're not going to know how life could be any better. Not that there's not going to be hard times, but it's going to be absolutely wonderful. God doesn't want you to have a sad, miserable life. He wants you to, it to be filled with joy. You won't be miserable. You'll be thrilled. You won't have guilt. You won't have regret. It breaks my heart when I go to the, to the deathbed of people or people who are coming into their life and they have years of guilt in their life. You want to be guilt-free when it's your last days? Do the will of God. Find out what he wants you to do. You say, how in the world do I do that? Well, understand who God is. He's in control overall. Understand that he has a standard will and he wants you to live a certain way that's pleasing to him. Understand that he specifically has goals and desires for your life. Pray about it. Pray about it. Yield to him. Take your life and put it in God's hand and say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Read the word of God. Study it. Seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. And God's not ever going to ask you to do something that contradicts his word. You can take that to the bank. God is never going to ask you to do something that contradicts his word. Tonight, if you don't have peace, understand that God knows what's going on. He knows the troubles that are in your life. Some of you got real hard things that you're going to face this week. 
Be encouraged that God's in control. Be at peace because of it. Let's do our best to get the gospel to this community, to the communities that we're involved in. And may we earnestly look and be listening to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit telling us what our specific will is for our lives. Let's pray, and we'll ask God's blessing on the remainder of the service. Lord, we are privileged once again to be here and to look into your word. We're so thankful that we don't have to just wander around this life senselessly, not knowing what you want us to do, and not sure, not sure which way we should go, but that we can, we can be confident, confident, and what you would have us to do. I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, day by day, day by day, you have given me direction in my life. I haven't known every step what it was going to be, but you showed me it in your time. Uh, may the person in here that's, that's struggling, not knowing what God wants them to do, may you give them peace tonight. May you reveal it to them. May you cause us to surrender to you in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.